Welcome to the Want to Learn podcast. In this episode, I interview Adrian Bain, who went on a road trip across the United States in the middle of the coronavirus apocalypse, and also has traveled extensively as a solo female and shares her tips and tricks on how to do that safely. Before we get into it, I want to just read three five-star reviews that I got on Apple Podcasts. One is by Artist Mary, who says, Brilliant show. I related to this as a visual artist, too, allowing for a quiet spaces to digest the material spoke to me enormously. Thank you so much, Artist Mary. Also from RG6777, he or she writes, A unique point of view. Francis offers a unique perspective and strong opinions, which makes WaterLearn one of the podcasts that I've subscribed to. Francis is an accomplished traveler and an excellent storyteller. Thank you so much for that review. And finally, from R.E. Victoria C., an eclectic mix of fascinating topics. Francis Tapon's podcast has outstanding audio production. His voice is pleasant to listen to. He covers a wide range of topics and always a fresh and original perspective. He will challenge the status quo. I've become one of his patrons at Patreon. You must subscribe to his podcast. Thank you all for those five-star reviews. Let's now dive in to the episode with Adrian Bain. I grew up in upstate New York, so I'm always surrounded by trees. I find trees to be so cozy and mountains to be so loving. Like, I'm a mountain lady versus a beach lady. But I've always gotten this, like, twisted feeling in my stomach when I'm in the desert. Like, I feel very vulnerable and I feel like What's the biggest desert you've actually seen? Have you been to, let's say, either the Sahara, the Gobi Desert, or maybe Antarctica? Yeah. Oh, no. Fuck Antarctica. I'm sorry. (laughs) I hate the cold. (laughs) I, like, usually leave New York winter to go to Mexico City because I just hate the cold. And I'm okay not going to Antarctica in my lifetime. The biggest desert that I've been to, I think, was the Sahara when I was in... Morocco. And even though I was traveling with my best friend, I just got this feeling of like, this is gross. Like, I hate this. You've been traveling for what, 10 years? Yeah. And, like, and, I guess you, 12 now. And how many countries during these 10 years, roughly? I've been to 35 countries. I've been to like almost half of the states now because of this trip. Um, I don't know if driving through Iowa counts, but I did go to a Starbucks and like touch the land, so that that, that, might be that counts in my book. That counts. They, I actually they, had this you know, argument with my wife when we were driving when we took a Amtrak across America, and we were debating whether that counts going through on a train through a state. Does that count of having of having visited a state, even if the train doesn't stop in that state? What do you I think? know I I'm that's a really good question because I think about that as well and I think it's all about like oh I don't know if that you didn't physically touch land well, but I you mean, breathe the air we certainly breathe the air and I mean the train is touching the land <laughs> I, would hope I mean so. <laughs> uh, uh, obviously and we're not hovering <laughs> We're not on a hovercraft. And also, right. when you drive across the state, okay, l- imagine you drive but across then, it. You're not touching the land either unless you get out to go fill up right. your gas tank. I don't know. To a certain point, I think it's almost like – it's almost a silly premise because, like, I think of all of the countries that I've flown over, but I have not been there. You know, I think I've flown over Portugal, but I haven't been there yet. So I don't know. Part of me, like, doesn't love getting wrapped up in the, like, country counting because I'm like, it's all about, like, if you had a laugh while you were taking a train over North Dakota, like, then you had a fun time while you were physically in North Dakota. Um, Mm. But I don't know. I think it's, it's always about, like, 
it doesn't so much matter where you go. It's like, were you happy and did you have a good time while you were there? Like, did you make a connection with somebody? Yeah, but did what if somebody it? says to you that I made a connection with somebody on the plane while I was flying over North Dakota? I know. That's why it's like, what is the... <laughs> I know. So it's like, what... Then you made a connection with somebody... I don't think that you've been to North Dakota then. I think flying is also different because you're like kind of... It's almost like international waters. You know, it's like, yeah. it doesn't really belong to anybody. Right. You're versus like there. being on a train and like your train could get pulled over or like stopped or whatever. Right. And well, you I might think, have to physically I th- I th- leave. I think, I think the bigger point is that when you're in a plane, unless you're flying very low to the ground, you, the scenery like is... Like so many planes do. Exactly. <laughs> um, the, the scenery is is consistent. It's always just blue skies or clouds. Yeah. Um, and so... Or nighttime, it's just dark. Actually, no. Uh, versus yeah. a, a train, you're actually you see seeing the, the whole scenery of North Dakota. You get the sense of like, okay, this is kind of a high desert area, and you get yeah. a, you get to look at the buildings, especially if the train goes through some city centers. Um, so I think that's why I would count. How about how about this? Let's make it a half point. <laughs> Let's make it a half point. I've been it's to like, 13 and a half states. <laughs> I've been to 13.5 states. I've been to, you know, 27.25 states. Um, I, I think that's a half point in my book. Okay. But All I right. think that okay. it's always going to depend on who it is. Because I think you're right. Is like, I did not really, I stopped a few times in Missouri, but like, I didn't really have, actually, I did have an experience in Missouri. I went into the bathroom. So... What's been really interesting about doing a road trip during COVID is like how loose the guidelines really are across America when it comes to mask mandates and all that stuff. And in a lot of places we drove through, it's very optional. And my partner, who, you know, we have a New York City license plate, we have a Biden-Harris sticker, we're driving a blue Subaru, like we obviously vote a little more progressive we stopped at a gas station, and as I was walking into the bathroom in Missouri, so as I was literally dead center middle of America, so like I was walking to the gas station, and I saw this gentleman who was probably in his mid-60s. He was wearing these overalls. He walks out of the gas station, sin mask, nothing on him, big, swarthy beard, and I was like, I don't want to deal with that guy, and I kind of just like kept booking and was like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. So I come back and Sam is like, get in the car. We have to leave right now. And I was like, what? What happened? This gentleman approaches Sam and he looks at the, we don't know how he knows this, but he's like, bet your gas is expensive in New York City. You know, we have, there's no indication that we're from the city, which we are. And Sam is like, I'm not engaging with this. And he's like, yep. Single word answer. So the gentleman continues, and he is like, you know, I hear that they're going to be rallying you all up into camps if you don't get the vaccine. And Sam's like, really? (laughs) Haven't heard of that. And he's like, here, I'll show you on my, on my, uh, like, Tumblr or something. I'll show you on my news app. Instead of a news app, so he comes close to Sam. He's not wearing a mask. Sam is wearing a mask. And he comes close to Sam, and he, like, brings his phone over. This news app of his is TikTok, and he just shows him this, like, strange 15-second video of this woman, like, shouting about something. And so this gentleman, like, shows Sam, and they both 
stare and like watch it and I know that Sam's heart rate is like increasing because he's like what the fuck is happening right now and the gentleman goes like see there it is and Sam's like alright I'll watch out for that and he goes stay safe wear a seatbelt and then gets into his pickup truck and walks off and and drives off and it's like are you wow that is that was (laughs) what And, like, I love, I love interacting with strangers. That's, like, the reason why I travel, because you want to interact with people who are very different than you. And I think it was really interesting to drive through America and be in a very different part of America and see the broadness of perspective and, like, how big, not only in size, but in, like, attitude that the world, that our, that our country is in. And... Mm -hmm. You guys missed a great opportunity to crack, crack a joke when he told you that he, you, I hear that the people in New York City are getting rounded up and going to be yeah. forced the vaccine. He just said, you're right, because we were in Arizona and we got the notification on our smartphone to say, get back to New York City because we got to vaccinate your ass. And that's why we're driving back home. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't want to charge him up, you know, and like, it's a very funny story now, but in the moment it was like extremely uncomfortable. Um, I'm but, sure you know, though you've had a lot more uncomfortable experiences in your international travels as a solo female. Oh my God. <laughs> it depends on how personal you want to get with that, but yeah, well, let's, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. This is no holds barred. Give me, there's give no me a good one. Back. I mean, I guess. So there's a few. Give me um, an example of where you encountered that. For example, I don't know. Maybe it was in Turkey or who knows. Oh, well, Turkey was awful. Um, but I think Turkey was different. This is my joke. And this is a joke. And I'm going to preface it as a joke. In Turkey. <laughs> in our politically correct world, yeah. we have to like emphasize this 10 yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. people have no it. fucking sense of humor on the Internet. <laughs> Well, I think that a lot of stuff is obviously is frequently taken out of context. So I just want to like, if you're going to turn this into an Instagram post, I would like the joke part to be emphasized. (laughs) Turkish men are kind of like puppy dogs chasing a car. Like they, they shout at it, but if they, (laughs) but if they caught it, they don't actually know like what to do with it. Whereas Italian men, I just don't think that there's a word for consent in that language. Like, (laughs) I know that's really funny, but, like, I had so many scary moments in Mm. Italy where I didn't know if my body was going to be found somewhere. But I do also (laughs) really want to preface that, like, I... I think it's it's very much like I've had long conversations with Italian women about this, and it is a big like. They're a very Catholic country. They're sexually repressed in like certain areas, so they and Italian women are really encouraged to like. They're frequently slut shamed, so Italian women are like a little, from my understanding, are a little slower to like put out. So when they see Western women, they're like, "Oh, she'll have sex with me right away." So like. Mm. Again, that's a sweeping statement. That's a sweeping statement. But but it's an accurate I will, one. I will also say that, like, I have couch surfed 50 plus times. And most of them are with single men who don't have roommates. And only one of them has tried something. Two of them I consensually had sex with. And mm. the rest of them were totally fine. 
Right, right, or just right. totally, totally, totally fine. Tell us a little bit more about ways that women can avoid having that one unpleasant experience. Totally. Which, let's say a guy who's hitting on you, and not necessarily in the couch surfing. I mean, oh, yeah. you can, be, just hit, in you can be hit on anywhere. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, statistically, it's the men that we know and are like in relationship with that are more, or like that we are friends with. Um, right. or related to that we are, we're more likely to be, um, you know, assaulted or whatever. But a lot of the times, like if they shout at you, a lot of the times I just ignore it and I'm like, I, I'm pretending that I don't know what you are saying right now. Um, I would definitely say that it, you just need to understand the culture that you're going into. This is another joke. This is another joke. Okay. So I once did a whiplash travel from Mexico City to Thailand. And, okay. like, you know, they're close to each other. So yeah, I I have never had a negative, like, physical experience in Mexico City. But, like, there have been times where they're like, I am muy guapa. You know, like, I know that they will shout things at me sometimes. Yeah. But for the most part, I've been, like, fine. But, it, you know, like, you do tense up a little bit because you're, like, I'm not being seen as a human. I am being seen as a walking vagina. Like, that's all I am right now. Um, yeah. And so, but then in Thailand, the men there, because I was, a again, a white Aryan woman, they completely ignored me. I was not, I could have walked home naked at four in the morning completely shit-faced and they wouldn't have bothered me. So I think you really need to know, again, that is my experience. I think you really do need to, like, understand the culture that you're going into. And obviously doing things like not getting too drunk, trying not to get yourself into, like, too many, like, sketchy situations. And it, you know, like, it really sucks because a lot of the advice we give is, like, women, you need to protect yourselves because the world, like, naturally seems to want to prey on you right. and the stories are not reversed like men are not told like hey can you just treat women like people you know <laughs> like mm. they might not want they might not be in the mood that you're in right now so mm. it it does i just don't want it to sound like women you're the ones who have to be on guard but like you kind of fucking do sometimes and that sucks the way that you walk i think really influences things like trying to be as confident as you can about like, where am I going? Do I know the route? Can I not be like checking my phone a million times to like make sure I'm on the right path? Um, I think again, depending on where you are, what you wear is kind of imperative. Um, not to slut shame or say that like, if you wear something that means you're asking for it, that's absolutely not true. But like, there are places that are just not as that still just have older perceptions of, like, what women wear insinuates certain things. Of course, absolutely. So, like, wear yeah. a long skirt instead of shorts. Wear right. something, like, cover your shoulder, you know, like, all of that. Really and that, say, and like, that becomes even more important in a very conservative society, for sure. Exactly. No, yeah. exactly. I have not been to the Middle East, so I can't, like, speak to that. Again, the farthest I've been to is Turkey. And yeah. I thought that I wore relatively conservative clothing and, like, Turkey is really tricky because so much of their selling culture is for them to, like, shout at you and be right. like, come into my store, come into my, you know, like, they're very insistent. So I understand that that's also a cultural thing. But, like, being a woman and, like, having those pre-existing experiences of, like, I don't know what you're going to do to me, um, 
I think that that can heighten the feeling that, like, oh, this is a really aggressive culture, um, or, like, this is not a super progressive culture for women, but, like, they're really just trying to sell you something, um, and you happen to be Western, or you happen to be white, and, like, they may perceive you as being, like, more wealthy, so they might be more aggressive. So, like, you really do need to kind of know where you're going and what the culture is. Um, in order to properly, like, interpret what is happening. Make friends with locals. Like, make friends with people who know the language and who can be that translator for you when you're in a country where it's like, I'm, I don't know Thai. I don't know Thai. And I'm not going to learn how to speak Thai. So, like, try to find friends who can help translate. Somebody's listening to this who's a female and says, mm-hmm. I really want to do what Adrian does. But I just don't have the balls. Well, that's funny um, to do it <laughs> um, because I'm a female. <laughs> but um, I don't have balls. But what would you word, tell her fine. to like? What would you tell her to kind of ease into this, if you will? Like, because one of the things that you say is so true, which is that women are constantly being warned about the scary place that is outside, and especially. Yeah especially foreign places, foreign lands. Oh, yeah. And and when you hear that message over and over again, you just don't want to fucking leave your house and certainly totally. not get on an international plane and get a passport and go somewhere by yourself. Totally. And so so wh- what ways can you kind of ease into that, if you will? I think that's a really great question because humans have a bi- – uh, we have a ne- this thing called a negativity bias, which means that one bad thing – is enough to ruin a hundred of the same good things. So let's say if you got an right. Instagram post and it had a hundred, it had 99 comments that it was like, this is the most beautiful thing ever and I love this. If there's one comment that says this sucks, we're going to focus on that one story. You're right. The rest of them don't matter. So what yeah. I would say is that like really go out and search for, there are so many female travelers out there on blogs yeah. and Instagram and podcasts that like, there are so many women who are constantly going out there and we come back and our livers are intact and we haven't been touched and like the world has been extremely respectful. And I will, I will definitely say that given my experience, like my whole couch surfing thing is like the world is vastly more protective than predatory. I believe that I will die on that sword. I find that when you are a woman traveling alone, because it isn't as frequent People are very curious about you. But again, not in a creepy way, in a like, girl, what, are you okay? You know, like a lot of people are there to kind of check up on you because they mentally know what is the worst that could happen. The worst that could happen is that I get sexually assaulted and my body is like buoyed in the Panama Canal with like bags of cocaine around me. Like that's the worst that could happen. They know that. A lot of times people will come up to you and like, offer help and assistance and are not looking for like other stuff. You should like kind of have your wits about you because like in places like Morocco, it is very culturally like normal for like young men to come up to you and like offer assistance to hotels or like, Hey, are you lost? And then they expect money in return. They're not That's expecting. Right. And they certainly the other. did that all the time to me, and I'm a guy. And they so do it's, it not, to it's not a sexual thing. It's, it's not it's a simply, sexual thing. Right. Again, that's like really why you need to know the culture that you're about to get yourself into because, like, there are humans are, we all have the same basic needs, but the nuances are really, it's a rainbow. 
Right. So it's it's an interesting say, thing. It, it makes me think a little bit about how Rejoice, my wife, who's she's black. I mean, she talked about this once is that sometimes black people might misinterpret somebody who's an asshole to them and say, oh, that person's a racist. Well, no, he's just an asshole to everybody. And similarly, a woman can like somebody who comes a man who approaches them and starts talking to them. They think, oh, he's hitting on me. No, he's just trying to get business from you. <laughs> sure. No, that's totally true. So, that's so totally we constantly, true. It's, it's an interpretation thing that sometimes we, uh, it's a, it's a struggle to know what people's intentions really are. And there's no, no magic formula, totally. but, but no, yeah, I'm glad totally you point true. that out. Although I rarely say it explicitly, the frequent message of the wander learn podcast is to disrupt your life. Usually I encourage you to shake it up with travel, especially to places outside your comfort zone. However, there's another way to give yourself a boost. Join the Restoration Depot. TheRestorationDepot.com is a convenient and affordable online meeting place where you can rejuvenate your health and wellness online. Log in to your favorite classes like yoga, tai chi, essential oils, music, and many more. Check out all the options at TheRestorationDepot.com and try your first class for only $5 by selecting the first class special at checkout. Also, when you visit the Restoration Depot for the first time, take advantage of the pop-up where you can enter a drawing to win a wild orange essential oil. And it's the fourth week of this promotion, and so they're going to be focusing on concerts and conversations with Sarah Wong, the mental health education, and unique parenting. Head to therestorationdepot.com. This episode is sponsored by Rerouted, which is creating a trusted online marketplace to revolutionize the used outdoor gear industry. This allows you to create your own adventure. You know, buying outdoor gear is super expensive and Rerouted is allowing you to do it in a sustainable and inexpensive way. For those who are buying gears, it's great because you're doing something that is environmentally responsible. You're recycling, reusing material and gear. You're also able to get it at an affordable price. So that's the win for those who are buyers. What about for the sellers? Well, you can donate to charity and you can have 50% of the sale of price go to your favorite charity. And also it's a great way just to get rid of stuff that's been accumulating in your closet and not put it into a landfill. It's a great alternative. So how do you get involved? Whether you're a buyer or a seller, you go to rerouted.co. Again, that's rerouted.co. I would definitely say that the world is more protective than predatory. And honestly, like not to continue this like gender divide, but if you're ever feeling uncomfortable in a place, go chat with a woman. Like we are for the most part socialized to be helpful and to be non-threatening. Like, and that's why we are also perceived as prey is because we're not expected to fight back. We're not expected to be strong, you know, like, so it is a double edged sword of like those gender assumptions. But I would, I would definitely say like the moments that I've been like the most uncomfortable, I would always kind of go to a woman to be like, yo, sis, can you help me? You know? Um, And and in a similar way, uh, it can happen through nationality. So for example, you're somebody in Mali and you see another uh, European or North uh, North American, 
you go out to that person and say, hey, I need some help. And immediately the tribal instincts that we have, yeah. you're like, oh, you're from my tribe. And, you know, in some cases, the tribe is you're the same gender as me or right. you're the same uh, geographic cultural area as me. So I had those- to do that. I've had to do that once where it was like not a fun experience. I like low key almost got kidnapped in Turkey. Um, and this guy was like not leaving me and my friends alone. And I heard someone speak in French behind us. We were like on a very busy street. It was nighttime. And this guy was like pestering us and being like, you're coming home with me. You're coming home with me and me. And my two other girlfriends were like, we are not going home with you. I don't know what you want. So I heard these guys in French and I turned around and I spoke to them. And I was like, yo, can you literally just stand next to us right now? Because this guy is not leaving. And they, without dropping a beat, they were like, yeah, of course, we got you. You're in a country where English is not the first language. Like your ears are highly, highly tuned to checking out like who else is speaking English around me and who else can understand me. And you like naturally do gravitate towards them because it is this moment of like, oh, my God. Another one of me, you know, your title of your podcast and your website is talking about, you know, with strangers, meeting up with Mm -hmm. strangers. And I do the same thing, Adrian, when I go to on a bus in a foreign land, I'm almost always talking to whoever's sitting next to me. The same thing on a train or anything like that. And when I'm walking on the streets, I just I I drum up conversations constantly. I remember once in Serbia, I just saw a pregnant woman just sitting there by herself in a cafe uh, eating lunch. And I said, hey, can I join you? You know, so I do all this stuff constantly with 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 people. But I have the cultural advantage of being a guy. And so when I do that, it's it's easy. I mean, it's not a a problem. But if a if a woman like all of a sudden does that, I would imagine there's like, oh, well, she's hitting on me. She wants me, you know, especially if it's obviously uh, if it's a guy, uh, if you're yeah. approaching a guy. So how do you deal with that nuance? Because you have a desire to talk to strangers. Totally. And at the same time, you don't want to send a message. I imagine 99% of the time you don't want to send a message to say, I like you. There is a bias where men disproportionately think that women talking to them interpret it as being hit on i can't remember what it's called right now but there is this like it's called the male bias the male bias no it's the male i think it's the male bias where it's like men have this that's just called being a man (laughs) unfortunately i mean how do you manage that kind of delicate balance between hey i just want to talk with you get to know a stranger get to know a foreigner Mm -hmm. but i don't want to fuck you i mean like you can just say that there's a moment in the conversation when it twists and when it becomes more than just a conversation and I hem and haw over the line about lying about like oh my boyfriend back in New York <laughs> you know because or I at don't the hotel think, <laughs> because I don't think you should lie I think that I think that women need to get comfortable with men hearing I am not interested in this I just want to talk to you and men need to be comfortable with hearing that and saying, okay, I'll still talk to you or no, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Both are fine. I was in Toronto and I was like sitting next to this Irish guy who was extremely bellicose and just like, there was really weird energy from him. And I was just like, I'm going home. I don't want to deal with you. I don't think you're very nice. I don't like that you're touching me. And I, and I told him that I was like, 
please do not touch me. And he got so upset. And I was like, I'm going to go home. I don't want to be here right now. And then I went home and was like happily, I went to the hostel that I was staying at. It was happily on my way. So it's just like, just try to get out of there as quickly as possible if it turns. But I think for the most part, guys would be like, if anything, a little embarrassed that they took your hello as something more, you know? Right, right. So I don't know. You just got to read the room. It's also interesting that you're an introvert who does stand up. I know. It's very strange. Honestly, a lot of us, just because I'm gregarious doesn't mean that this doesn't exhaust me. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the, the definition of an introvert is someone who recharges alone. Right. So I love being alone. I'm very happy and very comfortable doing that. Um, whereas an extrovert is someone who is recharged by being around other people. And right. so what I do is I spend all my day alone. And like working and, you know, writing and all that stuff. And then I go out at night and I talk to people and that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> like after this, exhausted. I'm taking a nap, you know. Exactly. Um, do you and get so angry? I do, I'm so angry. It's like embarrassing. <laughs> and that's the thing is like, that's why I have snacks is like to maintain that. Like I've learned that about my body and I've learned that hangriness is just going back to the psych thing. I was always very confused as to why I would get so fucking angry and one peanut was enough to just make me be like, okay, I'm my nice self again. This is so great. I love everything. And it's because the the part of your brain that is like logical and like does reason and is kind of like what makes us humans, like our prefrontal cortex, when we're low on glucose, when we're low on food, that's the first, your, your body goes into like... Um, like emergency storage, and that's the first part to go, you know, is our reasoning is the first thing to go when our, like, bodies are, you know, freaking out. So that allows us to, um, it has a relationship with our emotional center, and when our reason isn't able to, like, curb our emotional center, our ability to get angry gets, like, bigger. So... Our reason is gone. Our anger is increased all because, like, we're not getting enough food. I just needed to know why hangriness exists so I could rationalize being a little agitated every once in a while. (laughs) Right. Well, that's interesting. We talked a little bit, Adrian or Miss Bain, about the differences between men and women earlier in the podcast. And since you are into psychology and you understand a bit about hangriness, can you... I have a hypothesis, and tell me if you think it has any validity or if it's full of shit, okay. which is that hangriness is more common statistically among women than it is among men. I, is that is that what do you how do you react to that hypothesis? Oh, I don't know. I have no idea. It could also be like, if I'm going to be totally blunt, that might be like a very sexist observation because again, like women are not. We're not allowed to be angry. We're always supposed to be nice and pleasant. So, like, when women show, like, hey, I'm upset, so many times it's like, oh, she has her period. Like, she's not given a real reason to be upset. And then the other is, like, you know, talking about statistics, women have such messed up relationships with bodies and food that, like, a lot of the times we are, you know, like, we're not eating a lot of us have a disordered relationship with bodies and food. So like, I don't know, maybe we're fasting or maybe 
I guess I want to say is that like we might not be eating as much as we should be because we're nervous mm-hmm. about like, oh, I don't want to gain weight, you know, like all of that nonsense. So I don't know. I don't know if that statistic is true. If anything, I would say that like there are probably some, if it is true, I would say that there's probably some socialized it's not a statistic. To that. It's not a statistic. It's a hypothesis. That's just, that's just you. Then I would say no, like. No, no, I'm just saying it's a hypothesis. It's just okay. an idea. A hypothesis is a is a theory, and you can debate whether it's true or not. And it needs no, to be I proven, have, no, in, right? You know, no, a hypothesis is like I have an idea, and I think that it's testable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Maybe it's it is not testable. An I think it. Yeah. Yeah. It it should be it should be theoretically testable to find out. If maybe it's not a, a a definitive test, but you should be able to survey or find out sure. whether women, uh, if you ask them, do you get hangry, yes or no, on a quiz, and you ask a million women, and they may say, I don't know, let's say 40% say yes, and only 20% of men say yes, uh-huh. then that's some level of validity to that hypothesis. But I don't know. I, I, I it's just I, I throw the idea out there. Confirmation bias. So like if you have this idea that oh right. more women are hangry, you're gonna notice more. Of course. When of course, women of course. are Absolutely. and you're not gonna notice more when which guys is, are doing it. So Which is why I preface the entire thing as a hypothesis because I don't know. It's just an idea. And that's why I'm throwing it out to you because I was thinking, well, maybe you as a psychologist huh. might have an opinion about it and somebody who's experienced hangriness herself maybe you've 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 uh you've got an opinion because i don't have i don't get hangry myself or i I really it's but so that's so but i'm thinking that i might be cognitively biased toward this observation and and so i'm self-aware of that that's why i'm i'm asking the open-ended question yeah i don't know i have no idea yeah well keep an eye on it i'll keep an (laughs) eye honestly going to look that up immediately after and i will send okay. you any articles that i find <laughs> all right awesome that's a great way to end and if you find it then i'll put it in the cool. show notes remind people uh, where they can find you and stalk you yes um oh my god a stalker is like would be flattering at this point <laughs> um you can find all of my and folks and in- folks there should be a joke <laughs> under there once again just yes, in case yes, the yes. The Preface stupid internet. <laughs> like one of those little Twitter things. Like, um, this is a joke. Um, it's got to be so frustrating to be a comedian nowadays. I just like, with all the political correctness about all people taking things out of context, with all the the hypersensitivity and the wokeness and whatever. I mean, because the comedians, they make a living off pushing the envelope and just going on that edgy edge of people's totally. where like, that's their well, job. That's their job. And now all of a sudden, they're like emasculated. Not emasculated. What is the word? Just basically. They're like stripped they're, of. Well, I do yeah. think that there's a difference between telling a joke on stage and telling a joke on Twitter. Because telling a joke on stage, when you, the audience, walk into a comedy show, we are suspending reality. We have agreed that we are here to laugh and that some of the things that we are laughing at are not, nothing that we say is true here. We are really warping, but that is a silent agreement amongst everybody. Whereas on Twitter, if I tweet something and it is funny, but it's also insensitive or it's intended to be a joke, that's not an agreed upon space. That's not a space to be like, you know, like maybe there should be a Twitter just for comics. But hold on, but 
No, but if Stephen Colbert or Conan O'Brien or sure. they actually tweet, I mean, isn't that kind of expected of them? They have right. They have the cloud. They have the reputation of being funny. But I think now, I think it's changed a lot. Like I remember listening to like Amy Schumer, who is someone who I really admired when she first came out, and now I just I haven't really listened to anything of hers. But she would sometimes do race jokes that made me really uncomfortable. That is not something that I would ever play with. And even though I loved all of her, like, the comedy that she would do around sex. And so she recently did an interview, and she was like, there are jokes that I just think that the culture has changed so quickly. And there are jokes that she would not do anymore that, like, used to be around race or even, like, putting women down. So I think that the world has changed very quickly. And comedy is based off of, if I may be as blunt as possible, like, comedy... Like, putting people down was so much part of, like, the fabric of comedy for a very long time. And typically, the people who were put down were women and minorities. You know, like, how many I hate my wife jokes were there in the 50s? Andrew Dice Clay was a hyper-offensive comedian in the 1980s Uh who would literally probably be thrown in jail by the political thought police that we have out there today. I mean, he really – he was – he pushed everybody's buttons in the 80s, but he was super popular. Yeah. But I mean, he would just, it would just be unthinkable, unthinkable to have right. him nowadays. It just, it's, and, and so and in I, some ways, the comedians are, it, their space to work with and their breadth is getting more and more narrow and more narrow and more narrow. But I think that the, like, the point of comedy is to point out the things that are true. But in a way that, like, softens the blow a little bit. So I think that, like, I think that social media has kind of perversed comedy. And I think that, like, if you are somebody, like, this is the, this is, like, the social dilemma. This is the, this is one of the, um, like, consequences of social media is, like, everybody can read everything. And not everybody knows who you are. And not everybody, um... I, like, it's just very quick to take things out of context or, like, to misinterpret something. So I'm just not – I'm just trying to be on social media, honestly, as little as possible. <laughs> like, when I'm on stage, people know there's an agreement. But, like, I don't want someone digging through my Instagram posts, you know, in 10 years and being like, you said something that was mildly – you know, I just right. – so it's like if you're I, posting, I wonder, but I would I say wonder, that like if you are posting, then like you have to know that that's part of the deal is that everybody everywhere can read what you're putting. Forever. Forever. Right. Forever. And that that's what I find is well, I'm curious. What I'm fascinated, I hope I live long enough to see the millennial generation and, and Generation Z that follows it. Yeah. Them trying to get into the Supreme Court and them trying to get elected as politicians because I wonder if finally we'll get to the point we'll say, you know what? Because their whole lives have been recorded. Everything. Yeah, yeah. And 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 so and we all do stupid shit, especially when we're young. Yeah. And so I just wonder if we'll finally the light bulb will go off and say, you know what? There's a, like a statute of limitations <laughs> when it comes mm. to digging into our past and saying, you said 
this 20 years ago right and we need to cancel you or we need to boycott you right. or whatever because for something you said when you were 17 years old or whatever right. and, i know and i wonder if that but but i think it won't happen we won't get to that level of wisdom until the youngest generation today is going up for the highest positions of the land and are and 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 the media is digging into their teenage years to uh-huh. dig up endless dirt, and we're going to find out that nobody is without sin. Nobody. And no, so yeah, they're, they're yeah. eventually going to say, all right, we got to new, create new rules. We can't use this old yeah. rule of, of going back. We need to like be more forgiving or allow people to have redemption. Yeah. You know, I think that's I, the only yeah. way to go forward. I think that right now humans are a little too immature to handle the technology that we've created. We're kind of like, ah, how do we, I don't, you're, we're still kind of fumbling with it. So yeah. there's a lot, yeah, we'll, we'll keep our eyes on it. But I think between now and then we'll, we'll hit a few more countries and a few more states between now and then. Adrian, you're the best. Thank you so much. And Thank remind you. the people the, the where to find you, the website and yes. podcast. Potential stalkers. Please find me at Strangers Abroad Podcast. You can find me on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find your podcasts. And you can also read my blog, which is also Strangers Abroad Podcast. Follow me on Instagram, all the things. And that concludes this episode of the Wander Learn Podcast, where we explore travel, technology, and transformation. If you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we talked about, or if you'd like to comment on the show, or if you'd like to ask me a question, and go to wanderlearn.com and click on this episode. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember FTAPON. That's my first initial and my last name. FTAPON is the username I use on all social media. You can also get to my website by going to ftapon.com. And here's one last reason to remember FTAPON. If you like what I do and would like to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash ftapon. That's where you can pick up some remarkable rewards for as little as $2 a month. And now for five quick favors. Number one, subscribe to the WanderLearn podcast. Two, download it. Three, share it. Four, review it somewhere. And five, sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. Our theme music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is Francis Tapon encouraging you to wander and learn.